Thank you, Trio. Thank you for being here today. And good to see some familiar faces that have been out of town. And uh, good to have them back in for the holiday. And looking forward to uh, what Christmas has before us. You turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. We'll get there in just a moment. I like to hear people's life stories. I like to see what made a person who they are. I think most of us do. I've been looking forward to uh, seeing Napoleon that's out uh, to see how they've put that together on his life story. Wednesday, we had our Thanksgiving Eve service where we had three people give their testimony. And in that, they shared how God had worked in their life. And I encourage you, if you didn't get to see it, uh, to watch that on our website. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good um, testimonies there, what God has been doing, and uh, the people that, brought, that God brought into their lives, uh, the situations. The, the big thing that rang out to me, as you see the word in front of you there, are the choices they made in their lives. The choices that they made that changed the course of their life. Choices, decisions affect the path of each and every life today. Would we agree? Sure. The choice of simple ones, when you decide to get up in the morning. If I decide to get up late, well, I'm going to rush around all morning, aren't I? Uh, or I'm, if I get up early, I'm going to have time to maybe have breakfast, uh, do some other things, uh, and piddle around. I don't like to piddle around, but uh, those types of things, you have that time. The choice of what route you decide to take from, to work, right? I, from my house, I can go down Cheviot Road, and if I don't make it by a certain time, I know I'm not going down Cheviot Road because St. James School is in, and I will sit there in traffic forever, or I can wind my way through a neighborhood. My choice for lunch I can go and get five guys and fries, or I can go and get a salad and a turkey sandwich. Ah, think of both of those right now. Hey, maybe not a turkey sandwich. You might be sick of those right now. Then there's more serious decisions. Will I spend time with God today? Will I have patience and show kindness to those around me? Will I be a witness to those around me? Will I follow my desires of selfishness versus following God's plan? Choices have consequences. Every choice has consequence. We have sinful decisions and we have godly decisions. And as we feed those decisions, we are setting a path for our life. In the earliest chapters of the Bible, we just finished a series a few weeks ago uh, where uh, God had, had uh, taken us through the times of Babylon, and we're not many days after that, and we're introduced to the life story of two different men. One is an uncle, one is a nephew. We see Abram, not Abraham yet, he's Abram at this point, and Lot. These two men, if you look at them, they had the same upbringing. They had the same quality of life to start with. They were in the same environment. Be like two people, two brothers in the same household. Both were men that believed 
and followed God, at least from the beginning. God calls both of these men righteous. Even later in their life, he calls both righteous. And we're going to see today their choices change their life's path dramatically. And not just their life's path, but the life path of their families to follow. Like I said, we're not long after the Tower of Babel. And I mention that because we'll see people really haven't changed much. From that point to where we are today, we still see the same tendencies. And God calls Abram out of a city called Haran, named after his brother. It's modern-day northern Syria or southern Turkey. And he told Abram, he says, I want you to go down into the land of Canaan, Israel, today. And Abram, in faith, followed God's instruction. And with that, he takes his wife and his family and all his belongings, and he also takes Lot his nephew, and his family, and all of his belongings as well. Lot's father, Abram's brother, he had passed away. So I'm assuming these two were, were fairly close. In fact, they might have even been close in age. We really don't know. But the Bible tells us that the men were blessed by God. In fact, they were so blessed that when we come upon this in Genesis 13, we see that between the two men, there was not enough land around them to feed all of their flocks. And this becomes the first situation. Let's read in chapter 13, starting in verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the, herdsmen, the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. It was being a bad witness to these people. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the land destroyed, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. The first thing I want us to see today is Lot's choices led him looking toward the world. His choices led him to be looking toward the world. Now this seems like a harmless situation, uh, but it, it really becomes a crossroad in Lot's life. We've all had those, right? That decision that really steered us on a, on a path that uh, took us maybe decades of our life. God had blessed them both physically. They had flocks and herds and tents. You know, that means nothing to us today. They put it in today's term. They had money, they had a business, and they had workers in their, in their businesses. All right? So you can think of it that way. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. Abram had the exact same thing we see here. Abram, his uncle, gave Lot a choice. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. It doesn't matter to me. You pick which way, and I'll go the other way. And we can continue to live in peace. We'll be a good witness to our neighbors here. 
Now, much is made of the fact that Abram, being the senior, gave the choice to Lot. It was his choice, him being the senior. But he, many people say, he, well, Lot should have just submitted to Abram and said, no, 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 you choose. And that might be right. But I see here two things. The first we see here is Lot took advantage of the situation. Have we ever done that? Well, sure. Each and every one of us at some point has taken advantage of a situation. And in verse 10, it says that Lot lifted up his eyes. He saw dollar signs. In today's world, he saw dollar signs. And he decided, I'm going to take advantage of this. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with making a profit. There's nothing wrong with making good business decisions. But there was no thought in this decision of, is this good for my uncle? Is this good for my family? How will this affect me spiritually? How will this affect my family spiritually? We look today and we, we think, is, is this new job, it, it's going to be great, but it, it moves you to an area, a place where there's no church. There's no godly influence on your life. Uh, you say, but I'm getting tons and tons of overtime. Christmas is coming up and I need to pay for this. Yet, you haven't darkened the door of church in months. This might be the first time you've been here for months and months and months. Or you have, you have no time because of that to be with the Lord in your daily walk. Or to spend time with your family and to be the spiritual influence that you're supposed to be on your family. He looked up and he saw dollar signs. And it led him, the choice then to lead him to the next one. Because one choice always leads to the next one. And we see next there that Lot took aim at Sodom. In verse 12, it says the famous line, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. What's that mean? Well, we know much about the city of Sodom. It was a very wicked, wicked city. And this group of verses deals a lot with the eyes of Lot. He looked up, he saw that. Now he lifts up his eyes every day when he steps out of his tent, and he is looking toward this, this well-plained, this well-watered plain of Jordan, first choice, now he pitches his tent towards Sodom, and the first thing he sees every morning when he gets up is the wickedness of the city, of this worldly city of Sodom. Choice number two. Lot's choices here led him to constantly be looking toward the world instead of God. And I believe he underestimated his, his walk with the Lord. And we do that a lot, don't we? underestimating our, our, our strength of our walk with the Lord, and he didn't value it. And sometimes we do the same thing. There is a reason that God has us to assemble together here today as a church. The community of believers is to hear the word of God taught, to hear the word of God preached together, to give us strength, to give us understanding, to build our discernment, that we know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. And we are to lift each other up and when doing that, we hold each other accountable. And many times we do not want that. We look toward the world. When you pull away from God's people, I used this example with, uh, with a dear lady I was speaking to this week. When we pull ourselves away from, uh, from the, the church of God, from the, our people that we're supposed to be with, we're like that, that antelope, that little baby antelope in the back of the herd. We've all watched those, haven't we? You're just ripe for the pickings, right? That big cat or whatever is just going to come, and you're the first one. You're the first one they're going to take out. And the enemy will attack us. 
And the attack will come in two areas. It will come in your area of pride or your area that's your deepest weakness. It's never in the middle. It's always in that spot, well, I could never do this. Yeah, yeah, you can. Or that spot where you're at the weakest moment in your life. For a lot, it was greed, possibly power and recognition as well. He wanted more and he wanted more. And he severed himself from his godly family. And Abram, with that, we see he turns to the world and Abram has to rescue him. Which way are you pointed today? Say, this is the day, two, three days after Thanksgiving. I thought this was supposed to be a Thanksgiving message. I am glad for what God's done. And I want to help us. I want us to see from the word of God. And God placed this on, I believe, placed this on my heart today. And we have to ask this question, which way are we pointed? You might be a Christian, but you're pointed toward the world and not the Lord. What consumes your thoughts? If I was to leave you alone for five minutes, what is consuming your thoughts during that? That will tell you which way your your life is pointed. There is no problem with goals. There is no problem with having passions. But our choices point us towards the world or towards the Lord. What is your end goal? What is the end goal for what you're doing? If it's all about you and what you can get, you know where you're pointed. If it's about how can I serve the Lord, that's a different direction, is it not? If you're constantly pointed toward the world, I can tell you, I can promise you, it's going to lead lead to disappointment and it's going to lead to loss in your life. So let's keep looking at Lot's story. We see how his first choice was and how's that doing? We see secondly, Lot's choice has led him to limping with the world now. He's now limping with the world. Go over to chapter 14. I'm not going to read this whole account. And it came to pass in those days of Arafel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Alasar. You, you know all these guys, right? Sure, yeah, sure. We all hang around with these guys. Verse 2, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah. Okay? Now let's go down to verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went, or victuals and and in our speak right here, and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. So what happened? What's going on here? Now, we're not told how long's between chapters 13 and chapters 14. How long have they been split apart? We don't know that. But we do know this. There is a war in the land. Nine kings are are involved with this. Five kings are on the uh, offensive. They're attacking. And four kings are defending themselves from this. One of the cities that's being attacked is the kingdom or the city of Sodom. Verse 12 lets us know there that in, let's read that one. And they, they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, what's it say? Who dwelt in Sodom. He was looking toward the city. Now we see him dwelling in the city. Lot is now living in this wicked city. We don't know if he still has his herds and somebody else is just taking care of him and he's getting the money from that or if he sold it all off. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. But we do know that now he is part of the situation. He is in the city. He has now stayed, he is now in that city. If he would have stayed away from that city, this attack would not have affected him the way it is now. But he's involved now And he is dealing with the consequences of this war. We would call this on the light end, 
he's dealing with drama. All right? You ever deal with drama? You see drama around you? You get involved with this, you know there's going to be drama in your life, right? On the heavy side of this, though, we see the consequences of living in the world. Now, don't misunderstand me. Faithful Christians uh, still have drama and struggles in their life. Amen? Amen. I'm echoing really bad here, bud. But, that, but it does mean that you're not inviting that. As a Christian, when you're living for the Lord, you're not inviting that extra drama and consequences in your life. And when our world revolves around the world around us, living with them, not in the world, we're all in the world, but living with the world, we're going to have struggles. And that's going to be the result of sin in our life. But God was gracious towards Lot. And we see later in this account that faithful Abram finds out about this. And he comes to the rescue. Lot comes to the rescue of Lot, specifically, I think, just because of Lot there. A godly family member or a friend that came to your aid. That's what Abram is. Have you ever had that? You found yourself in a situation and you had a family member that was godly, this loving person, and they come to your aid. That's what Abram does here. And Lot had fallen into a situation he could not get himself out of. He had put himself in this and God sends Abram to help him. So he gets rescued from this. Lot comes, takes him, he gets rescued from this situation. Ah, thank you, Abram, for doing this, and I'm going to leave this place, and I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to do better. That would be what we would think should happen, right? But what does Lot choose? Did he realize the mess and return to the Lord? We see Abram does this earlier. He goes down into a land and he lies about some things down to Abimelech and down to Pharaoh. And when it comes back, he returns to the Lord, it tells us. Not so much with Lot. He stayed right where he was. Friend, has God given you some godly friends, a godly mother or father or brother or sister, and they've been praying for you and they have been bailing you out over and over again? That is time to wake up. Wake up to what's going on and turn back to God while you can. Quit playing the game and putting on a show here on Sunday and start making the daily choices to be with the Lord and to follow him with your life. Because when we do not, we see this last thing that happens in the end of Lot's life's story. Lot's choices finally lead him to being lost in the world. There comes a time where it's just too late. And we see that now with Lot. Chapter 19, if you turn over there. I'll summarize most of this. But verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. What? Where is he now? Oh, he's sitting in the gate. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Lot was pitching his tent toward Sodom, then he's dwelling in Sodom, and now he is sitting in the gate of Sodom. You say, I don't know what that means. The gate of cities at that point was where the leaders of the city were, the people of influence. They sat in the gate. That's when you gain this, to this power, you've got, got influence over this group of people. Now the chapter before, all of this sort of ties together, the chapter before God had told Abraham that he was going to go and destroy the city of Sodom. Why? 
He says, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. It had become such a wicked place that God says, I'm just going to destroy this city. And we have then that time where Abraham goes dip down there, through there and he says, God, would you, are you going to destroy it if there's 50 righteous people there? And he says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. How about 45? No. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? And God says, no, I won't destroy it even if there's 10 righteous people there. Now, Lot had 10 family members, him and nine others in his family. And I assume Abraham thought, well, okay, his, at least he has his family. So he sends them down there, and we see here that he is now one of the leaders. And we see he loses, he's lost several things here. The first thing is we see that Lot lost his way. He's sitting in the gate. And then verse 8, this terrible situation comes about, and there's this a throng of people that come around. Now, he's this leader in this wicked city. How do you become a leader in a very wicked city? Compromise. You've compromised your faith if that's the fact. In fact, Peter tells us some 2,000 years after Lot, in, in 2 Peter 2, he says, And I delivered just Lot, vexed with, his, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, that's Lot, that for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, what did he do? He vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. We see a man here that had lost his priorities. God had sent two angels to get, the wick, to get them out of this wickedness. And they go there to see it firsthand. And to get Lot and his family, and they take him, and they go and they dwell in his house before, Lot, before God decides to destroy the city. And Lot invites the men to stay in his home. And while he's doing that, this horde of men surround his house, and they're wanting to take the two men that came into his house out to rape them. That's the wickedness of this city. It's disgusting what's going on here. So what does he do? This is a man that has lost his way, his priorities. It says in verse 8 there, Behold, now I have two daughters. He's speaking to this, to this horde of people. And he says, Behold, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let, let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. What? That's disgusting. This is a man that has completely lost his mind. And to try, to try to pacify this situation, he's offering his two unmarried daughters? There is no priority. There is no logic here. It has all been corrupted. And it leads then to, the, we see then, next, he loses his weight. His weight with his, or his clout with his family. Verse 9, after the, the men have been pushed away, and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now will, will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, to come near to break the door. So Lot had spent his entire time, stick with me. Lot had spent his entire adult life climbing the ladder compromising his faith, trying to get influence in the world with these wicked people, and look what it gains. And they said, this is that horde of men, stand back. They said, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. 
Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. There was no respect. No respect was given to him. No clout was given to him. And over and over you will see this in the world today. The world will demand that you compromise. They will demand so that there will be, you compromise your faith so there can be peace or there can be, you can help or gain influence. How's that work out? After you do that, you are thrown away and you are mocked. Don't compromise your faith. He lost everything there in that moment. In verse, and we, we look down then in verse 14, he, we see even loses the influence over his family. After the angels had freed his family, he goes to his, his, children, his daughters that are married and their son-in-laws, and he says, we got to get out of here. We got to flee. In verse 14, and Lot went out and spake unto his son-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He had zero influence on his family. Friends, many of us here today might have lost family members. Sons, daughters, spouses, parents, grandchildren that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Please hear me. It is never too late to be a spiritual influence on them. But it must be seen in your life. And it was not seen in Lot's life. He could say anything he wanted to them. They didn't hear him and they didn't care because it was not backed up with his life. The choices Lot's family saw were not toward faith in the Lord. And he started to talk about the Lord and it just fell flat. Let your family, please hear me. Don't be discouraged by this. Let your family see the change in your life. Let them see what God has done in your life. It doesn't mean you're going to fail, not going to fail, because you will. Just own it and move on. Let them see Christ is real in your life. Let the Holy Spirit then use that. You don't have to win them in a, in a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict their life, and it will take time, but you need to keep at it. Friends, teenagers that are here today, college students that are here today, don't let your, don't let your friends uh, try to compromise your faith. Let them see your faith is real. Don't fall into the peer pressure and, and everybody's doing this type hype. That's wrong. Living for Christ is worth it. I promise you. Now, I wish I could stop there, but it continues on. Lost, we, we see Lot then, he lost his wisdom as well. This is just, this story is mind-boggling. Lot had been clearly told that God was going to destroy the city because of all the wickedness that was going on. And then verse 16, look what verse 16 says. And while he, what? Lingered. The city is going to be destroyed today. Get out. Um, um, but what about this? And oh, I really would like to take this with me. And da, 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 da. And he's piddling around. What in the world? He is lingering. He is struggling to leave. He was so stuck where he was. And some of us are that way. We're just so stuck in the sin that we've entangled ourselves with. Do not linger. Move away. Get out of there. The Lord will be merciful to you. I promise. 
It tells us there in this verse, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth. They literally grab his hand, the hand of his wife, and the hand of his two unmarried daughters, and they pull them out of the city. Even an impending doom, Lot struggles to leave. And it is only by the mercy of God that he is saved. And it doesn't stop there. Even after being pulled out of the city, Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, this one's mind-boggling to me, they're instructed, I want you to flee to the mountains. The two angels said, right over there, I want you to flee to the mountains. Until you get there, I cannot destroy the city. And verse 22, he comes to him and he says, basically, I don't think I can do that. Oh, yeah. I'm a little bit afraid of going there. I don't think I can do that. Do you mind if I do this instead? What? What in the world? The audacity to tell these angels that just save your life that I think I have a better plan. Right? That's what he's saying here. I think I have a better plan. Yet over and over when the word of God is presented, we say, yeah, but. Do we not? Yeah, but I think I have a better idea. Follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Because what you've been doing to this point, if you're in this situation, it's been a disaster. Let's follow the Lord. You've lost your judgment. And you need to lean into God's wisdom and follow it. Because ultimately we see he lost his will. In verse 26 we read, But his wife looked back from behind him. This is an odd one to think about. He looked, she looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I know that's weird. It's a, a miracle that occurs there. It's so dramatic. It's this major point so that the rest of the world will see this through time. All right? The angels had instructed Lot and his family, don't look back. Don't look back on the city. Don't yearn for the things that you just left. Don't look back. And Lot's wife does. And she is lost to him. He goes into that city. Eventually, he finally does what God says, and he goes up into the mountains, and he spends his final days, it tells us, living in a cave. Living in a cave. Where did he start? He started with having so many possessions that he had to separate from Abraham just so they would have enough land. And now at the end of his life, he is destitute, living in a cave with his two daughters, and if you read the rest of the chapter, doing unspeakable things. Choices matter. Continued choices become what? Habits. And continued habits become the character of who we are. In these chapters, we read about Abraham's life as well. He's not perfect. He had sinful choices, but he always returned to the Lord. You and I that are here today and everyone listening, we have choices to make this week. We've had choices that we've made this week, and some of them were sinful. Are we living in them, or are we returning and turning to the Lord? As I was thinking about this message, the old cathedral song came up. As a child, I foolishly turned God away. Not knowing the heartbreak a sinner must pay. But God in his goodness 
has let me return, share with his children this lesson I learn. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, slowly but wholly taking control. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. So with pleasure and promises, sin took control, leaving me dying with nothing to show. Gone were my loved ones and my dearest friends. Only a savior could love me again. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, slowly but wholly taking control. Sin will take you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. Words of that song are true, my friends. Let us not live the life of Lot. You're here today, hearing the word of God, meaning God has given you the opportunity to respond. If you're living in the world, turn. Turn back to the Lord. If you're a Christian that's living for the Lord, let me encourage you to lift up those around you. Be praying for them. Because as we read this account, we see the reason Lot's family was saved was because the mercy that was given to him was because Abraham was praying for him. You need to intercede on the behalf of your friends and family. And friends, if you're a person that is not a Christian that's strayed from the Lord or with the Lord, you're just not a Christian yet. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He has provided the way of escape from your sin. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to take the place of you, that you will not have to die and go to heaven. But God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Will you believe today? I hope that you will. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of invitation, work in our hearts and help us to see where we are. Many times we've gone down a path that you, we know that it's not been right. But you've gotten hold of our hearts and dear Heavenly Father, help us to repent and return to you that we would seek your face. Please be with the hearts of those that are here today. Don't let them stay in that situation. Don't let their heart be hardened today. But they would not be like Lot, but they would be like Abraham and follow after you. In a crowd this big, dear Heavenly Father, I know there are folks that don't know Christ as their Savior, that you would just draw them to you today, convict them, let them know that they need Christ as their Savior. And thank you for sending your Son. Be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen.